am from Arkansas, and my dad was a coal miner. That kind of makes me a coal miner's daughter. That makes so much sense now. All Talk of them had fringe, that. She had some fringe bangs. Yeah, those were good. But that would be your role. Like, if we had a band, I think, like, you'd be the pretty would, one the, playing the tambourine. The tambourine because and, like, you have to have sing. a lot of talent to slap that thing on your wrist Absolutely. or leg. See, we're just, like, talking all... <laughs> I'm so excited I because I loved, loved, loved this movie. I cannot... I felt humbled to actually get to talk with them. I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know that you were this cool. Thanks for talking with me. I feel like a peon. Yeah, you are. Howdy, 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 everybody. It's Taylor and Greg. We're back. Hey, Taylor. How was your week? That was a long pause. Where were you? Were you taking a nap already? We just got started. (laughs) Girl, I made a road trip to this podcast studio, and I have been going all day. I've been doing hair since 7.30, and I ordered a dress for one of our clients, so I, I, I've not slowed 7:30? down. 7.30? 7.30 in the morning. So what you got to do to pay for Tokyo, folks, so. That's what you got to do to make a dime. And that's for real. Talk about somebody that's making some money. Uh, Coming up on this episode, we have a good friend of the show, Carlos King, and he is a well-known architect, designer, and curator of vintage Chanel jewelry that you can buy in multiple stores. And he also has one of the largest Godier men's couture collections that he has been collecting. And so that's going to be a great interview. And I just felt like... With our interview, I always like to weave it into something, and this week we're going to do music, much like architecture and vintage jewelry, that has been used over and over and is still as good as it was the first time it was performed. So we're going to start off this week's episode with a song from Miley Cyrus, good old country girl, These Days. (laughs) All right, let's hear it. You know, Miley is like, as much as she's trying to go like pop mainstream, she still has such a country twang to her. You know, I hope she never loses that because to me, that's kind of like her, that's her identity, you know? And she she's continues to evolve with her style and I think it's great. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's a hit and sometimes it's a miss, but this version was done on one of those MTV VH1 some stations unplugged thing. And I think actually one of my clients... Uh, her dad owns the property that Coachella is on and they, during the pandemic, went out there and a lot of artists were doing it in the desert, these little unplugged things. And I know she was one of them that shot out that direction and it was great fashion in this video. Um, and this song, whether you'd know it or not, um, was performed yeah, kind of in like 1967 was the first time it came out with somebody named Nico. I don't know anything about that person, but... Other people went on to do it from originally did it. Miley did it. So that's all that matters. I think Jackson Brown may have wrote somebody wrote it originally. I'm not going to name that specifically, but Cher did it. It was done 39 times. I mean, that's a lot. of. That's more than you, Greg. (sighs) 
a lot more than me. Anyway, it's a great song, and I even love, which is a random one, but I think the 10,000 Maniacs did that one. It was a little bit poppier version, but it was a, you just have to go go look it up and see all the different Let's versions. Let's play it. Enough, enough rambling. Let's hear it. Well, we already played it, so we'll cut that out. Oh, we did? Um, yeah. <laughs> We talked about it for so long. We this you felt like we'd listened to it 39 times, but we had not. But we will go on to listen to another great song that I love is Tainted Love by Depeche Mode. Well, see, I have a thing for Depeche Mode. I love Depeche Mode. I pretty much love everything I've ever done. Um, so Tainted Love is no different. You know, obviously it's a remake, but I just love their take on it. Don't you? Oh, my gosh. They were so good. And they still, I think, travel around and do, you know, like collaborational tours with different people of that genre. And this song was done 16 times. That's Soft Cell did it. Gloria Jones did it. Um exactly. I have no idea who these people are. I'm just telling you. <laughs> if you were Gloria interested. Jones, down at the starlight. <laughs> I just liked you know, their you version. Know you know her. No, I don't. <laughs> she plays, plays every Thursday at 4.30 down at the starlight. Mm-hmm. Come and see her. Well, listen, another great artist lady is one of the iconic <laughs> women. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. This is good. I'm getting I'm getting going. This, this, this artist lady. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't even need to say very much about her, but uh, it's Annie Lennox and Take Me to the River. So let's listen to that one. All right. Lennox is fabulous. Uh, her voice is incredible. Um, it, to me, any take she does on something just makes it fresh and totally reinvented and like you've never heard it before. I love Annie Lennox. Well, I know. And they were just inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, As they should. Uh, I think they were inducted with Dolly. So good for them. They ha- It looks like they were having a great party that night. And her hair is iconic. Her fashion and war- wardrobe with all the suits that she wears. Her music can go very spiritual or very rock and roll. And this particular rendition of Take Me to the River, I think, was done in 95. And Courtney Love did it once upon a time. And Grateful Dead did it. I think it was done 13 times. I'm probably sure the most popular was the Talking Head version, Talking Heads. Yeah. But, uh,. I just love Annie Lennox, so I was like, I have to say a little Annie Lennox, and I saw Annie Lennox. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not at the Carlisle, but that would be amazing. Her go. on a piano at the Carlisle. Oh, here we go. No, I saw her in Dallas, Texas at SMU. And it was one of the best concert I have concerts that I've ever seen. And it was just her and a piano. And I saw Prince that same year. So same venue, but great artist. And people will always talk about her because she is a legend in her own right. And plus with the Eurythmics, I mean, great band too. So anyway, let's go on to our interview, Taylor, with Carlos King. Right, let's listen to it. All right, everybody. We want to welcome our very special, very talented, exciting guest, Mr. Carlos King. He is most well known for his incredible work in interior design, doing tons of celebrity homes, um, from mega mansions to bungalows and everything in between, and as well as his extensive and very private, exclusive collection of vintage French jewelry, everything from Chanel to YSL, Ligari, and uh, we're going to let him talk and tell us all about it. But welcome, Carlos King. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for having me. It's so exciting. So, well, Carlos, tell us, tell us, like, I mean, you're kind of a man who wears many, many, many hats, and we're really fascinated by your work in interior design. So, tell us, how did you get started in interior design? Well, originally, I wanted to be a veterinarian. Oh, well, that makes sense. <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> yeah. However, I saw, I saw the operation on a horse, and that did it to me because I squeezed <laughs> So I fainted because of the blood. And I said, you know what? Let me go back to my childhood and think, what did I love? Playing with Barbie's dream house. Okay, let's be an interior designer. <laughs> so I went to school for... So from surgery to Barbie's. I got it. Yes. I went to school um, to be a landscape architecture. And then from landscape architecture, I went to school uh, to be an interior designer. So that's how it all started, by playing with Barbie's. I had that same dream house, though, which is scary. <laughs> Actually, I didn't have it. Malibu Barbie. No, she wasn't Malibu Barbie. This was the woman that had the big house. I mean, this was the big Barbie <laughs> with the multi-tiered house. And, that was the one I played with. Oh, uh, it was a good Barbie one. House. Yeah. Yes. It, was, it was not a Malibu mansion. That was like an estate. That was that was stately. <laughs> Anyways, but I didn't become an interior designer, so nor a, um, a veterinarian. Or a veterinarian for you, Greg. You never know. <laughs> the next word, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, so you have been covered in Dwell and House and Up Team magazines and online representations of your work. And can you elaborate on any exciting ones that you're so proud of? I know you're proud of all of them, obviously. But was there anything that just popped out at you that you were just like, could I tell this audience about this home or what you did? Oh, absolutely. One of my most favorite projects, uh, was working on the late Marion Davis estate here in uh, Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. It was a house, it was Marion Davis's uh, su- uh, winter home here in Rancho Mirage, and the estate is about fourteen thousand square feet. Wow. But what was my most favorite thing about that house is the fact that the house is haunted. Um, <laughs> when Ooh. I was working, when I was working on the house. We did a complete gut job, and I had to do a lot of the furniture, a lot of the lighting. But the workmen would run out of the house like pale white because they felt someone touched them. And, Ah. like, spirits 
don't scare me. <laughs> Spirits no. don't scare me at all. And I, I'm, I call myself Casper the Friendly Ghost. I'm friendly <laughs> to everyone. So uh, you would see a shadow of a woman at night walking down the hallway of the house. And it was Marion Davies. But a lot of the workmen did not want to work there because it was haunted. It's haunted, actually, still to this day. You've got to mm. be kidding. Well, wow. for people that didn't know, she was one of the Ziegfeld girls and then went on to, um, wasn't she having Silent relations? was a really with, big deal. Like, with Mr. Hearst. Right, with Mr. Hearst. And so she's like a major deal. But didn't they break that up into different vignettes on that property, like a little Taylor suite and different things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the bedroom, I believe, has... Ten bedrooms, so the owner wanted to pay homage to old Hollywood and to Palm Springs royalty, so they've named the bedrooms after, like, Elizabeth Taylor, Marilyn Monroe, Frank Sinatra Suite, etc. And that, to me, was a very fun project uh, because I got to travel to France. I got to travel all over the country, finding beautiful things to ship over and bring over um, for the home. So that was a very fun project. And... Many of the clients and celebrities that um, that I work for make me saw, sign non-disclosure agreements. Uh, so what I could say about my next favorite project, it was um, a member affiliated with the Black Eyed Peas and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Shaka Khan. Um, and that was a very, very fun project because he just told me, you know what? You met me. You know what I look? Base the house on my look. What's the most favorite house that you've been in? Most favorite house? Uh, one of the, my client's chateaus in the south of France. Mm. That would be my favorite, too. <laughs> uh-huh. I have an affinity for a chateau in France. It's like my, on my, on my vision board that I have never created. That's like <laughs> hashtag 2023 goals. Goals chateau in the south. <laughs> Well, listen, amongst all of those kind of projects, then how did you segue into doing and dealing jewelry and collecting? Um, as a young boy, I remembered my mother always putting her jewelry, wearing her jewelry. I would hide behind her closet and watch her put on her makeup and especially her pieces of jewelry. And when my mother passed away almost 13, no, actually almost 14 years ago, I inherited some of her beautiful jewelry and it just struck a interest and I turned it into a business and um, I learned as much as I could. I studied jewelry and I opened up my boutique in Palm Springs uh, nine years ago and eventually stores like, um, oh my God, I'm having a, a, a brain fart in San Francisco, Gumps in San Francisco picked me up. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I got recognized for a fabulous collection that I curated and hoarded over over the years a lot of Chanel pieces a lot of haute couture pieces and now I wait made my way into uh into Dallas and they have some of my collection there um and I get recognized by museums also because museums buy pieces from me for their personal archives or fashion houses actually oh wow wow isn't that so exciting to like be a part of something that lives on I think that all those pieces of jewelry are pieces of artwork. It's like when you're doing a house and you're putting on, you know, the light fixtures. I mean, that's just the jewelry for the house and the doorknobs and stuff like that. So 
I think you took it a step further and, and really went into the haute couture and, and the man hours that are behind doing a lot of the um, vintage pieces of jewelry. I mean, there's several hours or 100 hours in certain large pieces, and and they're meant to be displayed and worn, and I love that. No, absolutely. Well, tell me about this Billy Boy collection that you've had and have been working with. <laughs> so – uh, Billy Boy is a very dear dear friend of mine. He's a mentor to me. And for those of you who don't know about Billy Boy, but he was one of Andy Warhol's uh, last lovers. Um, his jewelry is extremely rare because it's more it's considered wearable art, almost like Alexander Calder jewelry is considered wearable art. Yeah, it's considered wearable wearable art. So over the past. Um, seven years I've been uh, collecting his jewelry uh, major major important pieces some that he did for Hannah More some of them that were actually worn by Elizabeth Taylor and Lauren Bacall I have those pieces and my goal which I'm working on uh, with right uh, with him right now is to do a museum exhibition of his work and of my mm -hmm. collection so um we we have a museum in in Europe that we're currently working with, and I hope that the exhibition will be later part of 2023, early part of 2024, because he is very busy. He's finishing up his book on Scaparelli. He mm -hmm. has the world's largest collection of Scaparelli wine. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's fantastic because um, – the Mad Museum in Paris doesn't even have close to what he has. Really? Yeah, it's it's out it's outstanding. Um, his second large collection is of Barbie. He has the largest collection in the world of Barbie dolls. So we're also working on a collection on a collection in a museum show that has to do with his uh, Barbie collection. Tell us anything else that you've got going on that you. No, I was talking to Patrick McDonald the other day, and he said y'all yeah. were headed to Paris. Yes, Patrick, Patrick, is, Patrick and I are very, very good friends, and if I could schlep him somewhere with me, I always do that. So we were in Paris in September of last year, and now we're headed there in actually like a week and a half, I believe, for uh, Couture Week. We were invited to come to Couture Week to go to some of the shows, and we're going to go have ourselves a dandy adventure. And it, it's going to be a hot mess because it's Patrick, myself, <laughs> and his good friend, Lauren Azersi. So you could only imagine what chaos. What okay, trouble we're gonna your life. Uh, it's going to be a motley crew. <laughs> One more thing before we go. I know I also read somewhere that you collect vintage uh, for your own personal vintage um, Godier clothing. Yes, um, I have, I have a a hoard. I call myself a professional hoarder um, <laughs> of uh, vintage uh, Jean Paul Gaultier. And Patrick, my actually my friend Patrick, started me many many years ago, and it's just become an addiction. And I have a lot of Gaultier, which I love. I just think it's always relevant, is well-made, yeah. but it has a point of view. Like yeah. it should. So are y'all going to the Gaudier show? We're trying to get in. Yeah, it'll happen. 
Well, I'm jealous. I wish we were going to be there. Hopefully, we will be able to show up when y'all debut your exhibit in Europe later oh, on this absolutely. year. Oh, absolutely. I will. I will keep you guys posted because it's going to be a very good, a very good exhibit. Um, primarily, again, it's Billy Boy's collection and my collection, uh, the collection of two queer gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love it. And a little Barbie thrown in there. So. <laughs> and a Barbie. All right. Listen, thank you, Carlos, for letting us interview and talk to you, and the best of wishes in the future. And Such you need pleasure. to talk to Patrick about getting a driver's license. I think that's a little crazy. <laughs> I, will, I, I, I will try. I right. will try. He's a fascinating character. We know he's good friends with Patrick McDonald, so the dandy of New York. So being that they're both in Palm Springs. They both love vintage stuff, so his story is interesting. Unfortunately, he couldn't talk very much about some of the um, celebrity homes that he's done because he had to sign a non-disclosure or disclaimer. Because when you love to know, like, everything that he's done. But you can look at a lot of the designs in, like, Dwell magazine that he's been in and some of those different ones that you can kind of tell by the house style who they were doing it for because I know he – is one of the designers that really takes into account their own personalities and crafts yeah. that. And I love that. We do that with our styling business and try to do that with this podcast. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But <laughs> uh, he was colorful and I want some of that jewelry. And maybe we'll run into you him at the one of the couture shows someday. We'll be like, someday. bitch, come talk to us, right? Anybody? Think, yeah. Come talk to us. Maybe. Well, another great song that's been done over and over is my favorite Conway Twitty song. This is your favorite Conway Twitty song? How many Conway Twitty songs do you know? Off the top of my head, this is the only one I know. But (laughs) (laughs) I know that they, uh, well, let's listen to this before I go on my rant. Uh, Can't Stop Loving You. Can't Stop Loving You. one i'm glad it's your favorite greg (laughs) (laughs) well this song has been done 31 times from ray charles to ann murray to yeah i don't even know some of the people don was the original i think ray charles okay so anyways my story with conway twitty (laughs) where did you see him i did not ever see conway twitty but I ended up going, my grandmother used to take us on road trips in a Cadillac sedan Deville, and all the grandkids would sit in the back and my grandmother and grandfather would trade off turns driving that big boat of a car. And we yeah. went to Twitty City, which is a theme park inspired by Conway Twitty. Couldn't tell you where it was at. I do remember attending, I think it's probably in like Kentucky or somewhere like that. I wouldn't be surprised. Twitty City. It may not be there anymore, but we did it. Look it up. Good roller coasters. You know. if, if we 
find that it still exists, we will put it on our website for you guys. And yeah, we we really want to be a tourist so this guide. Is, this is uh, vacation goals twenty twenty three. I know Taylor. We had talked we about come. doing. Greg. Greg, Greg, maybe we could do a whole episode from Twitty City and we could do like coming to you live from Twitty City. Well, Anderson Cooper and what's his name? Andy Cohen went on to do Dolly at Dolly's theme park. So it is a goal to put out there. But eventually I'd love to do a travel show with you where we just go around and just interview different places to eat and great little vignettes and shopping jewels and little celebrity friends around. So that's just something to throw out there that we're, if anybody's interested, we're working on that one too. But I, again, we will check into Conway Twitty's theme park. Don't know. Don't forget that Twitty city rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. Well, this week we want to wrap it up with another, great song which is by Janice Joplin and everyone loves Janice well she's completely iconic I mean she's somebody that she didn't have the longest career but she's somebody that I feel like everybody knows you know, she's she's incredible well I know this song is what me and Bobby McGee and it was done again by a million people from Pink to Melissa Etheridge to Dolly and Kenny did it and Chris Christopherson barely say that name, but he's touring also, I think. Yeah. For anyone who couldn't understand Greg, it's Chris Christopherson. Right. But her little gypsy looking outfits. Oh, she was the bohemian and everyone loved her. I don't know. It's not my take on clothing, but I appreciated it for the time, and it definitely made her recognizable. But this song, it was her look. I think, really captured her and was one of her greatest hits. So, anyways, we're ending with Janis Joplin, y'all. So, have a great week. Have a great one. Thanks, guys. We love you. And my dirty red bandana. I was playing soft while Bobby sang the blues. When she Slapping time, I was holding Bobby's hand in mine. We sang every song that Javin knew. Yeah.